0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode of Cooking Issues is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, an employee-owned company that has been offering organic stone ground products for decades.
2: With Bob's Red Mill, you're not just getting quality, you're getting flavor-packed healthy food that tastes
1: great. Visit Bob'sRedMill.com to learn more and use the code CookingIssues. That's one word, all caps, CookingIssues for twenty five percent off your order. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly twelve to roughly twelve forty-five from Bernard's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn.
2: <laughs> Nothing gets you going like
1: hearing your. Yeah, uh, well, you
3: know. Oh, sorry, that was unexpectedly loud.
1: People come to you know expect the crazy intro. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. So, uh, Nastasia, you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dave in the booth? How you doing, Dave? Good. How are you? Doing. Well? So, you remember a couple of weeks ago we saw Cool Keith? Yeah. Nastasia, during wait which, what? Yeah, we saw Cool Keith in concert at the Blue Note. Oh my God! Fifteen bucks, great, greatest deal ever. Greatest Is he doing
3: Doctor Octagon stuff? He
1: did. You know he has a new Doctor Octagon album mm. coming out. Yeah. But, uh, he's performing at the Brooklyn Bowl in sometime in April with Doctor Octagon. So Dan the Automator and Cubert um, uh, and all that. And, and but he did one or two old Octagon songs, like he did Blue Flowers and uh, a couple of other stuff. But Nastasia honed in especially on Cool Keith's Mike. His, his mic, uh, physical mic stylings and was doing the Cool Keith as she was talking during the promo on the intro. You want you to describe that, describe that in a family it. friendly way.
2: I can't. I can't. I can't. <sighs> Especially because I don't have one.
1: That's well, the real <laughs> letdown. Let it just let it <laughs> stay there. So, like, and Cool Keith has a very specific, let's call it a microphone pump. That yes. he likes to do, yes. that uh, yeah, yes. that was doing for uh, during the simulating
3: program. something. Yes,
1: perhaps yes. I see. Yeah, uh, but it it works in concert though, right? Yeah, because with the <clears throat> yeah. with the beat, yeah, it's good. So uh, Dave informed me that he had a nasty train ride. Yeah, so what you want you want to talk about that?
3: Oh, uh, it was just like you know the usual delays, and then like just all the every like possible annoyance that you could expect to run into, like screaming baby. Okay guy playing Sultans of Swing for, like, nine minutes. Like, just torture. Complete torture. Wait,
1: uh, loud? Well... The Dire Straits no, album? No, no,
3: like, like, playing uh, with an acoustic guitar and singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: oh, 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 Was yeah. he singing? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Was he as like good as extended, Knopfler? Was the extended, a... like, jam version of Sultans of Swing. Did like, ha- my nightmare.
1: Did he... Ha- uh, are you... You're, wait, did we already go through this? You're not a Knopfler fan? You're anti-Knopfler? Anti. Anti-Knopfler. Alright. Totally. Uh, okay. Uh, you might enjoy this. On the way in, I saw this guy. Again, I was also delayed. I mean, I'm always chronically delayed anyway, but more delayed than normal. The subways are worse than normal, right, Stas? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's worse than normal. Uh did I tell you uh the, the thing I came up with because the F train has been so messed up recently that I was like, the MTA is officially changing it to the F U train just to be more <laughs> accurate. Because just, nothing works. Yeah. But anyway, so I saw this guy. And he was staring right into his phone, and I was like, "Yeah, you get your face out of your phone!" And then, right after I thought that, he stepped directly in dog poop, Ooh. but didn't even look up. Did he f- must have felt the squish? Yeah. But he didn't look up, and so he left that boot print of poop like all the way down the sidewalk, Jeez. New York, yeah. New York. So uh, this is the second week that. Oh, by the way, calling your questions two seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. So uh, my son Booker. Uh, Went in for his second training session at uh, Pasta Flyer. How'd that go, (laughs) Nastasi? Well, yeah, I like him
2: there. Yeah.
1: All right. So here's the interesting thing, and uh, you know, those of you out there who you know work for a living will appreciate this. So, so Booker, right? You know, my son Booker. He's you know on the on the spectrum. He's on the spectrum. So, you know, he's not used to what's the word uh, being a team player. (laughs) So, So, like we're we're walking into a thing. I'm like, hey, Booker, listen, in a restaurant. Everything is your responsibility. He's like, what? What? What does it mean? I was like, it's like if you look, if the table is messy, because this is exactly the opposite of the way he works at home. He's like, not my problem. Even if it is his problem, he's like, not my problem, yeah. right? But I'm like, everything in the restaurant is everybody's problem. I don't know if, whether he understood that. Do you think he? No, I think he did. Do you think it soaked in? I
2: think the biggest breakthrough was when you were supposed to show up at five, and he got his apron off, his hat off, and was waiting for you by the door, and you were late. And at like 5.05, I went down to the door and I was like, Booker, you could be making money right now if you put your hat and your apron on until your dad gets here. And he was like, mm, all right.
1: Yeah, well, I have to say, <laughs> although I am chronically late, I will say I got Booker there early because I was like, Booker, you need to be dressed mm-hmm. and clocked in, ready to work on time. No effing about. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. On, that's on true. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, do as I say, not as I do, right?
1: <laughs> hey, well, no, look, I'm not late for a shift. What do you trip. call this? Okay, that's a good Ooh, point. Yeah. Oh, hey, well, we're not getting paid. Boom! Boom! Well, we are
2: kinda <laughs> with the thing.
1: No, but I wasn't late for that. Anyway, so uh, also I know I'm super I'm super late to the game here, but I've been really getting into uh, emoji rebuses. You ever do emoji rebuses? No. Dave?
3: What, what was that second word? I don't know what that is. Rebus. You don't know a rebus? Reince Priebus, what?
1: <laughs> Reince Priebus. Uh, it would be a hard rebus to make. It would be hard to make a Reince Priebus rebus. But uh, a, no, a rebus is when you use pictures and spell things out. I'll give you an example. Ugh, I don't like that. So anyway, so, you know, look, we may or may not be having a new bar. It may or may not open in spring of this year. Anyway, so.
3: Mahogany. Phase.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. But I'm not allowed to talk anything about it. Anyway, so when we took possession of the space, the very, very first thing I did was uh, the bathroom had a giant, the ADA-compliant bathroom, had a giant sign across it that just said, Handicapped. I was like, what the hell? Rip that right off, right? And it's so unwelcoming. It might have even been worse than that. But anyway, I ripped that right off. But this, there's one sign that we can't take off because it's too hilarious to us. On the control panel for the music system, it says, uh, Managers Only. Don't touch. And then it says, because here's the thing. Don't write threatening... Don't write threatening signs for your employees. It's just a bad idea, right? Like a warning sign is different because that's meant to help your employee, right? But like a threatening sign is just a crappy thing to do. What do you think, Dave? Crappy, uh, right? I agree. It's crappy. It's a crappy attitude, this adversarial relationship to set with your team that's just unnecessary. But if you are going to be a dumbass and write a, uh, a threatening sign, please get your grammar in order. Because <laughs> it said... You will be fire. No D. You will be fire. So we all we all like occasionally we'll one around, and whenever anyone does something wrong, we'll say you will become fire. Yeah, I'm
3: fire every day when I yeah, come into work. I'm fire.
1: So, so like that was my first of the emoji rebuses. It was the sheep, which is you, right? And then whale, the whale emoji, and then the the bumblebee, and then the fire. But my uh, a friend of mine just had a. This is my this. is, no one's gotten this one yet. I sent this one out. No one's picked it up yet. So my friend just had a baby. He's a metalhead, right? So there's a lot of connections here. Baby's name is Ozzy, right? Oh so, so obviously, so here's what I sent. I sent... A dead bat. No, I sent... Uh, that's a great one. I, said, I sent the eye emoji, right? And then, believe it or not, I believe there's a, there's a yam emoji, a half of yeah, like a, a yam, yeah. A yam, right? And then the Iranian flag, and then the dancing man. So if you look at it real quick, if you read and get it real quick, I am Iron Man, because you name your kid Ozzy. How metal mm. is that? But my wife's never going to get it because, A, she doesn't know really who Ozzy Osbourne is. B, would never connect it to Black Sabbath. C, we would we never connect Black Jen Sabbath to Iron to Man. Because it. she's the one sending the information to my friend. She'll never get it. <laughs> She'll never get it. Uh, let's get to some questions. You want to take a call? Yeah, sure. Call her. Call her. You're on the air.
4: Hey, Dave. It's uh, that... We wanna take Judy from Alden again.
1: Hey, how you doing?
4: I'm I'm interesting. Uh it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the people who have to work for a living. Right. Because uh, I don't want to air out my dirty laundry. But I have this medical leave of absence worthy kind of depression. Right. And as of a few weeks ago I literally don't even have a job. So, uh I have a couple of questions for you. All right. I do not think you know the answer to the first question, but I think maybe the the Harold McGee might know. Have you ever heard of Ashwagandha?
1: Ashwagandha?
4: Yeah. I I came across it in a a local Indian supermarket.
1: Now, what is it? Like, is there an English translation for it?
4: Uh. Western cults like to call ayahuasca.
1: Oh, yes, right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you <laughs> go.
4: Technically, uh, you can use it as a rennet to make cheese.
1: Oh, and so that's how they get it into the country, as not as a narcotic thing? No,
4: well, uh, there's a very roundabout way. Like, it is used as a New Age health thing, and that's how it's marketed. But I, I like to... Go off the deep end and research. So, you, I, I don't think you would know how to make cheese from this stuff, right?
1: No, but uh, if it's like the stuff from. You're talking about the stuff that's typically used in South America by like the Yanomamis and whatnot as a as a kind I have of,
4: no idea. Yeah. Like, you know, the only thing I think of when I think of cheese is paneer when we're talking about Indians.
1: Right. So I don't know this product, but that, look, anytime you're making cheese, you're relying on one of several reactions. You're relying on um, typically like an enzymatic reaction that causes um, the, you know, the, uh, the casein to clot together, an acid reaction that's, that's also uh, shifting the pH condition and causing the, the you know, the um, clots to form. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is in plant-based things like thistle, that cause the clotting. I don't know. So, like, classic, like, European uh, plant-based rennets are, like, cardoon and thistle-related. I don't know what the clotting agent is them or the mechanism is, is in them. So you're not you're trying to make yeah. cheese. You're not trying to have a hallucinogenic experience.
4: Um, I, I, I already, right. well, uh, I called you a couple of years ago. I told you, hey, I don't want to have the same career path. As uh, Christina Tozzi, but uh, I just turned 35 last Friday, and it seems like about time for me to write the Great American Novel, which yeah. I've always been destined to do.
1: Well, I tell I, so I
4: do a lot of research.
1: Well, I tell, look up ayahuasca. Is the stuff that I'm thinking of, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So. Uh,
4: yeah. Yeah. I, but but people do not make it the right way, and they do not drink it the right way, which is.
1: Well, I'm heard it's yeah. I've heard it's incredibly horrifying experience if you do it wrong. Oh, it's hard to hear
4: anything.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. There's something something going on uh, on on your end. So, uh, but do you have a question? I do have the answer for or. or, uh, (laughs) Hello, did we lose her? Did we lose her? Hmm. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing? So listen. Do you, like, uh, I hope you, I hope you're, you know, get yourself straight and feel better. Here's what me tell you about as a 40, what am I about to be, Nastasia? 40? 40... Oh, oh, oh,
4: wait, 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 wait. I have a real question. Oh, okay,
1: you know. what, do, what do you got for me?
4: So, uh, the Friday before, I tried to make pizza for the first time.
1: Right. Pizza, you said, uh, right?
4: Based on Nancy Silverton.
1: Right. Good person.
4: I, I tried to make two pizzas. The first one... I It looked pretty good until I caused a massive grease fire in my electric oven. Right,
1: yeah, that happens. And then
4: I just dropped it on the floor.
1: Wait, you you and you dropped it on the floor as a result of the grease fire? What? As a result of the grease fire, you dropped it on the floor, or these were unrelated incidents? I don't know.
4: I don't know. Okay. I, I think uh, any first pizza will, will suffer a terrible fate anyway. Yeah, all
1: right, that's fair.
4: Then my, with my second pizza, it turned out into, like, a deconstructed pizza. So I was hoping that you would tell me that I could practice by baking blanks.
1: Yes, you can make blank pizzas, and in fact... There are pizzerias that do this almost exclusively. So p- pizzerias, yeah. pizzerias that don't have like real pizza ovens will often do uh, what I call like a griddled pizza, where, where they'll they'll do the initial uh, blank bake even in a pan, and then uh, just set it, pull it out, top it, and then throw it in an oven or under under a uh, broiler or a salamander to finish off. I'm not a huge fan of that technique, but that's the way I do it in the summertime when it's too hot to fire up the oven. Um, it's, it's a lot faster to do the bottom side cook-off on a griddle or pan and do the top side cook-off on a, uh, under a broiler because you know, your oven's only on for minutes at a time instead of for the hours it takes to get up to pizza temperature. But I don't think the results are as good as like a traditional um, pizza would get. But another uh, a tip I will give you and this one is uh, a winner. Real pizza people disdain this, but this is the easiest way for a uh, a beginner who's having trouble, especially if you're using a high-hydration dough. So a lot of people like using high-hydration doughs these, these days. Um, they stick a lot, and so... Uh, a lot of people at the beginning will put too much crap onto their peels in order to make sure the pizza comes off and on. That stuff scorches and leaves an unpleasant texture on the bottom, unless you happen to like that. But most people don't, right, size, You don't like that no. stuff, do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but a way around this is to get uh, baking paper. So like Reynolds uh, baking paper. Um, it's okay. not yeah, it's not that cheap. Then lay the dough directly like
4: parchment paper. Yeah,
1: but yeah, parchment. Make sure it's the baking kind, not wax paper, but the parchment paper that's meant for oh, baking. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I know the
4: difference. Yeah, uh, and,
1: and then you you stretch out the the dough o- directly onto the the paper, like on on your peel. And then here's the trick: take scissors or like a a knife and cut around the paper so that the paper doesn't extend past your uh, dough more than about. Uh, you know, half an inch or so because any large pieces will will catch on fire, ignite. But if they're in between the dough and the pizza, you'll be fine. Then you throw it onto your stone or whatever else you're cooking on. And as the pizza bakes, it will 100% of the time separate from the paper. And in fact... Um, a good way to test, like you you, you want to test how the thing is doing, you can kind of lift it up and yank the paper out in in midway between uh, the bake if you want as a, as an indicator. But that's the way, and that's also the way if you're doing three, four, five, six pizzas and you're setting them all up, and you know you're and you're not at a at a, a point in your pizza making yet where you can reliably set up five doughs, pick them up and put them in the oven properly. You can reliably even like you know you know, a long time in advance, like half hour uh, in advance, lay out five pizzas onto parchment paper and get them into the oven and never have a problem.
4: Oh, I, I wish I had a carrot space. Also, my, my kitchen is as far away as possible from any windows.
1: Yeah. So the other I'm thing, the other, screwed, the, the, other tr- uh, the other trick uh, yeah. I would do for, uh, for for limited counter space is uh, get a bunch of, depending on your size oven, if you have limited counter space, usually your kitchen can't accommodate full sheet pans, even if your oven can. But like uh, basically just a 90-degree stack of uh, half sheet pans. So one pan, lay it down. Next pan at 90 degrees, lay it down. And a stack of six pans is still only... Uh, you know, like like uh, it's less than six inches high. It's less than an inch per pan. I think so, or somewhere in that range. And so you can get a fairly dense stacking of uh, of your stuff, and they're not that heavy, so you can swap in between versus kind of big pans. I mean, I'm lucky. The very first thing I installed in my kitchen was a. Um, was a, a, a rack, like a like a pan rack, because it doubles the amount of space you have when you're cooking, more than doubles, because I can throw sheet pans into my rack, whether they're cooked or uncooked, and stuff just comes in and out of the oven, but I don't know, the rest of the world hasn't caught on to that yet. Uh, I
4: am just not quite at the stage of uh, having, building my ideal kitchen at all yet, but uh, thank you very much, and maybe try to figure out the ashwagandha
1: Question for me. <laughs> all right, now I, I, uh, I'm supposed to talk to Harold soon. I'll get, I'll give him a call, and yeah, uh, I hope you're
4: yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, I hope you're doing better. And 35, 35 is nothing to worry about. I got twelve oh, years, 12, not. 13 no, years on not. you. Yeah, you know I am very glad. Yeah. All righty, <laughs> well, have, have a good one. Have a great one. day. All
3: righty, all right. Uh, I think we need to take a break.
1: <laughs> take a break, and we'll be right back with think more cooking issues. Anymore. This episode of Cooking Issues is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, an employee-owned company that has been offering organic stone ground products for decades. We have a question from a listener about Bob's
2: whole wheat flour. Terry wants to know, at what point in the production process do white flour and whole wheat flour become different products?
1: Well, Terry, that entirely depends on the method being used to make the flour. So there's two basic ways that this can happen. You have single-stream milling, where you take your flour and you, like, create whole like whole wheat let's say flour out of wheat and it never gets separated but a lot of modern techniques use what's called multi-stream milling and so what happens is everything is turned into white flour and all of the separate fractions of the flour and then is later combined back to make a whole grain product so everything depends on the actual technology being used do you have a question about a bob's red mill ingredient if so tweet it to us at heritage underscore radio
2: and if you want to experiment with whole wheat flour, go to Bob'sRedMill.com and use the code "Cooking Issues." That's one word, all caps, "Cooking Issues" for twenty five percent off your order.
1: And we're back. It's really still as disconcerting to hear ourselves during the break, but anyway. I don't
2: listen. I don't know why you listen.
1: I don't know. In case, uh, in case I'm like, well, who's
5: that? Idiot? Just
3: mentally prepare yourself for the next question.
5: All right, all right, caller, you're on the air. <laughs> hey. Um, so I work at an Asian fusion restaurant, and we use a uh, uh, katsubushi for our dashi in our ramen broth.
1: Yeah.
5: Uh, but the question is, is can I do that same technique for fruit? And
1: what do you mean? What do you mean?
5: Like uh, basically, like is there a way to petrify fruit to make it into shavings to do a more uh, uh, like a base broth or something like that.
1: All right, so for those... For cocktails,
5: that we, basically.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm sure most of our crew knows Katsuobushi, but Katsuobushi are these, uh, I guess it's bonito, uh, like, uh, pieces that are steamed and, like, uh, inoculated and dried and and uh, fired, like, alternately, and they, they age them until, they, and, you know, repeatedly treat them until when you clink them together they sound like wood, and then they're shaved traditionally, uh, you know, over what amounts to a very fancy uh, mandolin into the thin shavings that we buy as bonito flakes to make uh, dashi. Um, Dave Chang and his crew had done a lot of work doing the inoculation and curing to pork uh, to make pork katsubushi. Um, the The issue is that I, um, I don't think you're going to get, I mean, look, could you make a dried fruit, flake that you then made a broth out of sure it's gonna but you know i think you would probably have a a fruit soup the the, the thing is is you would need to get you know part of it is a the the you know the kind of meaty substrate um and you know, that's one of the meatier fishes too but the second is the protein levels right so it's going to be a different kind of flavor when you're doing a sugar pectin carbohydrate rich substrate as opposed to a protein-rich substrate because part of the complex flavor of the katsubushi is um, the kind of amino acid breakdown. Like, that's where, like, a lot of that kind of umami punch is coming from is 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 like the long process breaks and stable breaks down the proteins uh and then also dries it so it's petrified and and stabilized but i think you're not going to get a similar profile that doesn't mean that you can't get like an, an interesting profile you know i mean there's yeah. uh but yeah as far as that you need some sort of protein base so
5: I mean, I mean is there like a like if i added like absorbic acid to the salt or is there like if i added more pectin to keep the fruit structural structural while it was aging.
1: Yeah, no, I think your basic substrate is so different that I don't think, I mean, like you'd have to find a high protein. Like like there might be some vegetables that you could do this with. Like I'm sure you could do a katsu, you know, some sort of variant with uh, soy blocks, for instance, or tempeh blocks or – you know, something like this, something that's high in protein. But I'm struggling to think of a fruit that would get the same flavor. Now, if you just want to make sure that the stuff doesn't break apart, there's plenty of fruit that does – or, you know, veg and fruit that won't break apart in the soup, something that can be strained out uh, afterwards. You know, and so f- for that, most dried fruit, frankly, won't – you know, it will rehydrate somewhat. And I guess you could do some stuff to kind of prevent that rehydration, like uh, like toasting it once it's um, – Once it's, uh, you know, dried, you might be able to prevent some rehydration, but, um, you know, I don't think you're ever going to get, I mean, you could get some weird funky flavors, like for instance, coconut aminos, right? So coconut aminos, I don't know how they're made, but you get some very meaty flavors out of coconut in the product coconut aminos. I don't know what the aging process is. I think it's more akin to soy sauce. So there's like some sort of liquid coconut substrate that they then age and ferment to make coconut aminos. But you might look at something like – I would think you might have good results with something like coconut, something that can shave easily and clearly because they make this thing called coconut aminos, something that would cause that. But it's, again, more akin to the soy sauce f- uh, uh, taste and not that kind of like f- like fish broth – Base that katsuobushi has. I frankly, yeah. I don't even know if I have ever had Dave's pork uh, katsuobushi. He liked it, but I even think he said it didn't taste exactly like katsuobushi. It was a different broth. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Does anyone in the chat room have anything, Dave? Maybe they'll weigh in.
3: Uh, I'll keep an eye out.
1: Yeah, we'll keep an eye out. I'll think about it more. But there's got to be, you know. I'll try to do. If you send a question into Cooking Issues, just so I remember. I'll try to do, uh, uh, you know, figure out whether anyone's worked on. Are you interested in fruit specifically, or just a vegetarian katsuobushi variant? Well,
5: I was wanting to do it more for like cocktail bases. Um, so I mean, I knew that like water was going to be one of my major issues, uh, and keeping keeping the fruit from basically just crumbling during the process. Uh, I was wondering, you know, if there's anything that I could add. Like, I mean, obviously, like. I was going to originally start with, like, apples or peaches or something like that. Right. Uh, but, I mean, if I wanted to try, like, blueberries, I would have to find something to maybe, like, boost its structural while it was also breaking down at the same time.
1: Okay, now, now, now I get you. Yeah, I mean, like, you could just, instead of keeping the structure, you could probably just uh, set the stuff into a gel that then won't reverse like like uh, I mean it depends on how hot it needs to go. So you can do I mean the way that you make agar is you set blocks and then you repeatedly uh let it um kind of freeze thaw the liquid kind of drains out and you're left with agar. So you could probably like do gel and strips or agar strips and then let those age in block format and that might okay. work for you. You know, something like that. I thought you were trying to actually mimic like a like a like a soup with it, which is a different kind well, of Well, I
5: mean I mean I guess like theoretically yes because I would want to try to use like whatever kind of funky flavors I could pull out of the fruits from it being aged to make like a, a syrup or a tincture or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of those some aged some aged fruits that uh I mean that you do it other than pickling. I have to think about it more. Maybe someone in the chat room has some ideas. Hmm. Okay. Hey, send Send send, a, send another question in and I'll 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 try to give it some more some more thought as to okay. kind of what the what the historical antecedents are. All right. Cool. All right, uh, thank you. All
3: right, thank you. You want to uh, take another call?
1: Uh, sure. Caller, you're on the air. Oh, hey, uh, this is
6: West calling from the Northwest. How are How you, you doing?
1: You? I like that West from the Northwest. It's got a good ring. There you are. Yeah, you there can you are. never move.
6: Hey, uh, um, I, this brings this. Hey-o. Hey. <laughs> uh, I want to build an outdoor rotisserie, um, and it might just be over like some or it might be over at Weber Grove. but I was curious if you have any experience doing that and
1: yes. how to make it not suck. Uh, invariably, if you use the rotisserie elements that you buy in uh, big box stores, it's going to suck, and I'll tell you why.
6: Well, it flops. It flops. Like, it's irregular.
1: You already know the answer, my friend. That's the thing. Yes. They flop. And and there's no one. there's no one on God's green earth... Who's good enough at balancing any reasonable size uh, piece of meat, such that uh, they're not going to have the flop with those kind of rotisserie motors? But the good news is there are motors that are uh, quite good, right? So you want a you want a motor that basically has no uh, backlash to it, uh, and so uh, the the best rotisserie one I ever built I built with an old uh, like an actual like gear motor like a really nice gear motor that was running at i forget what the magic rotisserie number is it's somewhere in the area of like 4.5 uh, rpm right around there i think uh, i forget because i haven't built one in, in a long time but okay. um yeah the, the issue with that is keeping it keeping it relatively cool right so you can chain drive them uh well an- i think i would yeah yeah Another good way is, uh, did uh, Mark like that uh, that rotisserie unit he got, Nastasi? Where was that one from? Was that Turkish or Greek? The one with the little spits.
2: Oh, yeah, I like that. That but was Italian.
1: That was Italian? So it had, like, a whole line of mini spits. So it basically did, you know those mini spits that are, you know, they're only maybe, like, uh, like a foot and a half long, and they're made of a blade of, uh, their, a, like, a blade, and you shove the end of the blade into, like, a spinning, what amounts to a screw, and then it just keeps spinning, and then you lift it out, and it spins on its own uh, axis in the front. Does this make any sense to you? You know what I'm talking about? If you look up, like, Italian, but that's miniature. You're looking for a larger spit, right? I assume you're looking for a larger spit. Yeah,
6: like I lot of chickens and stuff.
1: Yeah. So just ignore those motors that they sell. Um, you know, if you have any fabrication skills, you can attach it to your, to your own bracket, uh, I'm trying to remember what I, I used to use these uh, Bodine motors, which was I think Bodine was the brand, but they were real pricey. But you could buy them used, and they had zero backlash. You know what I mean? And it's like zero. So like, it was just like it was, it was completely just you know driving at 100 percent of the time. Another way you could do it is you could do uh, a chain, you know, a chain drive. Uh, and then that'll also take up uh, cuz it's your motor is spinning more than your object is so if your motor is spinning a lot more than your object is you're reducing the effective backlash on it because uh you know because they're probably accepting the same amount of angular backlash in the um in the in the um output shaft regardless of uh its rpm so if you have, right, when you say back
6: yeah like give essentially like uh a- uh, amount
1: of flop right, amount of flop. right. so the, the fact of the okay. matter is is that is that any motor right that has tolerances, typically, like if you like a, if you've ever used a machine tool, right you're when you're threading something forward, uh, you're pushing on it, and then even the smallest you know uh, increase, always pushes it forward. But then as you back off, it takes a little bit of time for the thread to re-engage go in the other direction. So that's the play, right? right. The play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I, I see. You mean, I yeah, yeah. And that's what's causing the, the flop. And All the right. flop's your enemy because it just gets worse and worse because then meat not being rigid, right, the more it's right. flopping during the, during the process. Family show it The more... Hey, the more it will uh, kind of tear itself to pieces and get, it'll get crappier and crappier as you spin. Now, a lot of this also is just designing uh, good. And I don't mind them, actually, the square things that hold on, the, uh, the square things that, that, you know, go over your rotisserie rods to hold the meat on. I don't mind right. that. And, but you know what? The ultimate thing is, honestly, like, you know, you, you want to cook, right? Do you want to spend your whole freaking life balancing a freaking pig on a stick? No, you want the thing to spin the freaking pig regardless of how well you balanced it. Like an ideal rotisserie, you shouldn't have to balance that thing at all. It shouldn't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, why doesn't anyone make a decent freaking motor for this? So I would buy an oversized motor, one, and what you want to want to look at is the number of, um, the number of uh, inch, inch pounds uh, or foot pounds that it can do. And that's going to let you know how off-center your load can be and still have it effectively drive it. Right. So, okay. you know, like, uh, well, y- you can look it up, but like that, like the amount of torque that it can provide is going to provide, uh, going tell you kind of how effectively it can spin it. But the, like I say, the way a lot of people do this is they buy weenie teeny motors, and then they gear them with these crappy gearboxes that have a lot of play in it, and then you end up with crappy rotisserie. Here's the other thing about crappy rotisserie with the flop. Even if it didn't ruin your meat, you always have one section of the meat that's in your fire for less amount of time. Because as it flops, it just goes... And that part where it's going... As it's spinning around, is a blonder piece of meat. Who the hell wants blonde meat? No one. Nobody. No one. Nobody. All right. Anyway, let cool. us know what motor is at. Tweet us back and let us know what what uh, happens. What hey, happened. am I
6: allowed to ask an unrelated question? It's a quick one, which has just kind of bugged me for a while, which is...
1: You can ask, uh, but Nastasia will hate you.
6: That is true. All right, go ahead. Okay, well, all right, I'm just pondering this. Why is mayonnaise so delicious? Like, it's more delicious than the sum of its parts. Is it because the oil gets dispersed by the emulsion and it spreads out over your taste buds?
1: Well, it's a, kind of an interesting question. I mean, first of all, you and I clearly believe mayonnaise is delicious, but there are people who do not like mayonnaise. Jimmy
3: Fallon, Revolting.
1: Uh, wrong. Wrong! Anyway, but, like, the point is is that mayonnaise it is delicious, and it's because you've solidified the oil. I'm pretty sure it's just the fact that you've solidified oil into, you know, along with uh, vinegar and salt, you've solidified this oil into something that you can then uh, spread. So if you like drizzling oil over things, how can you not like mayonnaise? You know what I mean? It's just like a, a easier to apply form of that. And first of all, you don't like mayonnaise? Every salad dressing is made with mayonnaise. Do you not like salad dressing, Dave?
3: You're telling me that like a vinegar and oil salad dressing. You only has drink vinegar
1: and oil salad dressing. He's like, hey, I take this Italian thing seriously. I, but it's not even Italian. That <laughs> Italian dressing.
3: Don't even do. Don't give me that stuff. Why? Why you got to make it about my my ethnicity? Because I always got
1: to <laughs> go there. I always got to go there. But like, look, you're telling me you don't like any creamy dressings, Dave.
3: No, I I don't like completely hate mayonnaise. I just think when overdone, it is disgusting. What does that
1: mean? Overdone? Do I, you eat a BLT without mayonnaise?
3: Um, I've I've been known to yeah.
1: Heathen. Yeah. A BLT requires mayonnaise. Do you eat a turkey sandwich without mayonnaise? Uh, I like mustard. What? Yeah. I put mustard on as well. You know why? Mustard is delicious. But mayonnaise is what you need for the sandwich. You don't need both. Incorrect. Just, you know, minimalistic. 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 <laughs> Look, turkey, a, a normally American cooked turkey has which predominant characteristic? What comes to mind first?
3: uh dryness
1: yes (laughs) bing and what is the miracle condiment that fixes dryness everybody
3: mustard
5: mayonnaise
1: (laughs) mayonnaise mustard does not fix dryness mustard fix a fixes a lack of piquancy
3: or actually horseradish that would be really good
1: oh now you got (laughs) a sandwich horseradish i I also like horseradish oh wait, wait if i can't quote ludicrous what world do we live in pretty sure he used that, or maybe I wanted him to use that, and he didn't use that rhyme. Maybe that was the only uh, rhyme he didn't use.
3: Anyway, I don't know. Mayonnaise is, yeah. you know. Caller, sorry you had to come between us like this. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Thought, sorry yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, you. We, you know, we'll okay. think more about it. If anyone, if anyone can explain to me any reasonable reason other than they, they, they have a mental issue with the fact that it's the texture and/or the, what they think the theoretical, well, not the, the actual ingredients of mayonnaise are. If anyone can actually argue mayonnaise on a flavor slash function point. Right. Like I'm, I'm here for it. I, bring it on. Anyway, uh,
3: got time for one more? Uh,
1: uh, wait, so quiet. Michael wrote in from Toronto in regards to meat. Does crust formation uh, inhibit heat penetration? Uh, all right, Michael, it's a it's a multifaceted question here because um, as you heat the meat, as you form a crust, right, it loses water. As it loses water, it does in fact uh, <coughs> create have heat penetrate less. Quickly, right? Because the water is a better conductor of uh, heat than the dry meat product. However, uh, it can also get to a much higher temperature, and therefore, uh, it can it can you know get up to the temperature of the fry oil or up to the temperature of your oven, and therefore, can push uh, you know can be a higher temperature. So I don't know where the answer is. I used to know because I had to research this uh, for my book, which I was supposed to write a year you know over a year ago. I'm restarting again with the writing. So really. Uh, Nastasia, don't get me started. I met with my publisher yesterday. You Oh. Nista- <sighs> <sighs> Nastasia likes to pester me. Um, anyway, I was like... Just can, trying to keep you on task. Do I have time for a quick one or no? No. Uh, how quick? Like, oh. you have to do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 seconds? Well, I have a question from uh, Devin uh, in Seattle about uh, juice and FDA, which I guess I'll have to get to next because it's not, uh, uh, you know, not that... I can't, do, I can't do any of this. But you Eric are going to start
2: with these next week, right, David? No, next
1: week we have a guest.
2: We have Jim Leahy. No, I thought... No, after that is the next
1: Oh, week. so we have guests in the next two weeks. Jim Leahy's coming in about bread?
2: No, about whatever he wants to
1: talk about. Well, what are, what are people going to ask him about? The price of freaking eggs? <laughs> Jim Leahy, master bread baker, is going to be here next week. And, the, and, uh, and who do we have the week after that?
3: Oh, Leahy's coming in. Amazing.
1: Remember, if, if anyone has a problem with family shows, it's going to be Leahy. So, like, writing- it's always
3: good to have a solid Master Baker on the air with us.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Family program. Remember, he was the only guy that we couldn't stop from cursing on the radio. Hey,
2: we're just going to have to go with it, and they're going to have to...
1: How fast are you on the bleeps,
3: Dave? I mean, it is the internet, so it's okay.
1: Yeah. It's a family show.
2: Well,
3: Allegedly. I have to I learn
2: mean- about those words at some point.
1: What? Anyway, I had lots of questions here I didn't get to. More we'll get we'll get to them along with all your bread questions next week with Jim Lee on cooking issues.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter.